This week, three sides of the coin. I think, first of all, in all honesty, this this week's show is dedicated to Fran Stuber. Yeah, let's just the memory let's, of Fran. Let's just leave it at that. I mean, yep. we we talk about Fran's passing. We also have an incredible guest who was signed by Gene Simmons to Simmons Records and shares all of his stories about that. But we dedicate this episode this week to Fran. This is Three Sides of the Coin, talking all things KISS. I want to rock and roll all night. You're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Three Sides of the Coin. Got your three co-hosts, Michael, Tommy, Mark. We tried to get Lisa. She couldn't get their internet to work. Um, All right. So we got a cool guest, fun stories from somebody who spent some time uh, working with Gene. But before we get to that, Tommy, we do know that at the end of this show, as we were recording, you were doing your research for the beginning of the show. So you better have some comments to share. Yeah, I do. Actually, we kind of riffed a few weeks ago. We took last week off because Mark and I were gone. And um, there's a, several I want to read, but one in particular I want to read just simply because it seems like every now and then we get one of these and I just find it interesting. So I'm going to read the whole thing. Uh, and this guy will probably never listen again, so it really doesn't matter. But this, so this is more for the benefit of you, you folks that are regulars. Uh, Lass L. This was a very this was very hard to understand. They just talks without giving any background information regarding the topic. If they put some effort into it, it would be easier to attract new listeners. Okay, so he's got a couple of mistakes here. Number one, we don't spelling. care if we attract new listeners. Well, spelling in the comment is first of all a problem. But he might be European, so then he's he's okay because he's probably doing pretty That's good true. for being someone that doesn't it, that. English isn't his native language, so I'm not going to rip on him for that, but we don't care about getting new viewers, number one. And secondly, why would we put in any effort? That would wreck it if we put effort in. <laughs> Did you see my my back yeah. and forth with yes. him? Yeah, so that's that what was, I'm doing. Okay. That so Michael funny. hops in and says, well, can you share a link to your podcast so we can see how it should be done? Fair enough. He comes back and says, wow, that was a childish answer. I can go down on your sub level too. We shall compare yearly salary or fortunes instead. Trust me, you don't want that. Ha ha ha. Why does it matter whether Michael makes a hundred million dollars a year or 50 bucks? That has nothing to do with any of this. It's a dick measuring contest. Exactly. Okay. (laughs) Michael comes back. Honest question. You made a statement on how to be better, how to better structure the show to gain more listeners. I assumed you had experience doing that. I want to hear how it would be done. If you're going to make that claim, I assume you should show from experience. Maybe I was wrong. He comes back like sleeping, boring, whatever. Michael comes back again and says, so you don't have any experience as I thought. Last L comes back, Michael, if I would aim for being a YouTube podcaster instead of what I do, I would be flipping burgers at McDonald's. I don't know how to do such a thing. I'm a social media consumer, not provider. This is where it rubs me the wrong way. Everybody counts. And that person who is flipping burgers at McDonald's might be working their way through college. 
It might be the skill level they have. It might be to, supporting three kids. Yeah. To case in point, later on in the show, uh, in the wrap-up, Michael mentions how these people, musicians and stuff, they're doing what they love. Maybe someone at McDonald's is doing what they love. It may not work for someone, but for other people, it's really important. And I just wanted to bring this up because I think this is part and parcel what's wrong with, with things in the world right now. It's just somehow, if you're a ditch digger or you're an electrician or you're a plumber, you're somehow less valuable to society than if you're an accountant or a doctor or an attorney. And, and we as, as human beings have to get off that. And it, and it happens inside the KISS world, too. Oh, I'm a better fan than you are because I've been around since 1973. I've been to 150 shows, and you've only seen one, so I'm a better fan. Right. So I'm not lecturing. I'm just simply saying, guys, before you make a comment, whatever it is, and most of you aren't like that. You it, you provide great fodder and great discussion. Maybe you think about some of the stuff you're going to write because it's like, we're all the same. And that's why when we meet these people at these shows, we're no different than any of you guys listening. We don't think we're better than any of you. We are you. We are one. We are all. Well, Mark is fans. slightly different because Mark doesn't sleep under the covers. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of <laughs> things what, you know, too. We, that... we, had a, we had a ball um, two weeks. Yeah, by the time they read this, it'll be a couple weeks ago. And, and you know, to Tommy's point, all, all kidding aside, so many people came up to us uh, in both Tampa and West Palm, and um, I, I brought my family to uh, the obviously the the local Detroit show uh, that was last Friday, and everybody's so freaking cool. And I want a, a quick shout out to my friend Fido because as soon as I got out of my truck, he was sitting there, but it was just starting to rain. I had to get my tickets and everything from Will Call, and I didn't get a chance to go back and see him, but. Uh, Hey, bro, <laughs> I didn't get a chance to see you again after that because it was crazy. I mean, but, you know, go, go, go ahead, Mark. No, I was just going to say everybody, I've said this numerous times on the show over the years, everybody I meet on the cruises and the expos and the concerts, everybody's so freaking cool. It's so nice. Everybody just, you know, just wants to talk, kiss and, you know, mention something about the, you know, the show or, you know it's just awesome everybody's so cool we have a great group here you know and uh i just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart it was just so freaking cool you know absolutely and that's kind of the point we are you you are us we are we are one fans. yeah just like this I, I mean you know it's true we, we we've said this so many times but it is honest to god true and i'll say it again we're not doing this show for the most part almost every week although we're quickly approaching 500 episodes um we do this not to make money we don't do this to get free tickets to get free music you know god knows first of all the amount of hours that we put into this show to make money we'd have to be paid a shitload for the time we spent doing this it's just just alone two hours every week recording, not including the editing, the uploading, all the other stuff that goes around this. We do this because we just love it and it's fun. That's it. We're not taking this seriously. This is not a serious journalistic show. So maybe if we're a little bit casual about the way we do things on the show, 
that would be the reason why. We are truly just getting together, three of us, four of us, five of us, inviting somebody to join us to just bullshit and have a good time around KISS, a band that has made us happy over the years. That's it. So, you know, it doesn't, it's not an insult to say you could do better. You know, Tommy and I have said from show number one, what what do we call this, Tommy? The no production, no frills, no 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 budget, no production. I can't remember what we call. It. I mean, we literally no budget, we, low budget, no something, pro, something like. I don't even remember. I mean, the point is, we acknowledge the fact this is basically a crappy production. Because you know what, we're not spending any money on this production. Why should we? We don't make it's a money real off. life Wayne's world. It's a, it truly is, Mark. It is really a Wayne's Wayne's world had better production values than three sides of the coin does. Okay. Yeah. Please, Beavis and Bud have had, had better production values than the three of us. This is just fun, good time talking about Kiss, talking about other bands, talking about music. You can't insult us by saying the show sucks or could be better because we're the first ones to sit here and go, yeah, you know what? You're right. Look, it's 2 a.m. cable access on a Sunday night. That's what this is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, You're waiting for us to end so you can watch one of the um, commercial or infomercials from uh, one of the many uh, companies that are putting out like the hits of the 60s. I thought they were they were waiting for us to end so they could go log on to uh, PornTube. Well, there's that too, but you can just do that. You know, I'm talking about you know, like to Mark's point, we're on TV. It's like you're waiting for the we are the we are the Bissell. <laughs> we 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 are what you know. If 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 you're old enough to understand this, we are what comes on after the the Star Spangled Banner plays at midnight on your local network, and the TV goes off the air. No. That's us. Yeah. <laughs> we are hey, uh, because, like I said, uh, yeah, I know. I, 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 I know. Want to so, so but we have some important stuff to we, talk about. Yeah, we 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 should make real. We we got to get serious and and make a quick mention of this. Um, we're recording this on Tuesday, October nineteenth. So, um, over the weekend, uh, you know, I don't know. Just I guess I could should just say it. I mean the. The KISS world was rocked. Fran, who, if you're a KISS fan, you know Fran. He's Paul's tech sidekick buddy, whatever you want to call him. He's been with Paul. He's been with the KISS family for 20 years. Fran passed away suddenly of COVID. And let's not take, I don't want comments. I will delete comments right now. I'm telling you, if you stake this into the the COVID political bullshit it's getting deleted and you're getting blocked the band hammer will ban because i have no patience for that shit yes guys we just want to talk i I, we're very fortunate uh and and lisa's not here right now but all four of us were were new fran on a first name basis he was friends of all of ours and and this really hit home um oh just a wonderful guy um I, you know, I've been so very blessed to be able to, you know, always see him at, at the shows. He was always like the first person I 
looked for because he's always just in a good mood and a big smile on his face and you know a funny comment and you know um god uh, just always so gracious um and later on i mean maybe in another year or two tommy and i have a great story we can share but we can't share it quite yet <laughs> um uh, uh you know of, of his uh uh yeah how we had a really good time in la um uh, you know with fran and 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 like i said what a great guy um you know uh, he's gonna be missed uh i you know other than that i don't know what else to say just a, a wonderful human being and uh you know we're all gonna miss him so yeah um i'm heartbroken i i don't know how else to say it i i it'll never be the same going to a kiss show again and not seeing fran he he you know, and, and all of the people that work for that band are really nice. Now, I don't know all of them, but all of the ones that I know have been nothing but incredibly gracious with their time. And I was fortunate enough among uh, that group to get to know many of them and specifically Fran. And I gravitated toward Fran for a lot of what uh, Mark just shared. He was genuine he was he was funny he was easy to talk to he always had a smile on his face and, and he, I, he's the kind of person and, and i just god i regret not getting him on this show because he talked he had, about it like a hundred i know times. he had stories about roth that i was in tears i was laughing so freaking hard we were, had dinner one night and he was telling us all this stuff along with a lot of other things as well, but he was just, he was a, he was a proud father. He had three kids who he loved very, very much and a, a lovely wife who I never did meet, but heard wonderful stories. And we were just talking and I literally talked, spent time with him two weeks ago. We were talking about, you know, LA and we were thinking about moving and where to move because he wants to keep the kids in the same school district. I mean, life things. And we would chat back and forth and, and online and, I don't know. I would always send him a message saying, Hey, see you next week, you know? And, and it just, I'm to Michael's point of what he was saying to me earlier, I'm tired of seeing people die. And this is not a political thing for me. It's just, here's another friend that is gone. And I don't know how to process this because I, when I got the call the other day, I was in absolute shock. I could not, believe it and you can say coulda woulda shoulda but what's most disgusting and disturbing for me over and above the, the fact that that he's gone is the amount of of shit going on online and i haven't even seen most of it but people telling me people making videos about it and commenting oh, I, that it, oh. it's something other than it is and it's like nobody owes you guys an explanation. None of you are, are doctors. None of you are scientists, you know, and this is a private this matter is, for him is, and his family. Is, yeah, this is, I mean, it comes, I can't say it enough. Fran was just the nicest guy. I mean, you know, if you've been around bands, a lot of times you'll know some roadies are just, you know, head down, they get their job done. They don't want to interact with the fans or anybody else and get out of my way. And, Fran was the exact opposite of that. And every single fan online who's ever posted something about meeting Fran is the same thing. 
He's always up there giving us guitar picks. He was throwing out set lists to us. He was taking photos with us. He was yeah. saying hi to my kids. Nicest guy. I, you know, I, I first met Fran uh, when he first started working for Kiss. Because when I, when I was working with Kiss, there was somebody else that was Paul's um, tech. And Fran was like out of the blue. It's like, hey, Mike, you know, I'm working with Kiss and I'm making guitar picks. And can you help me with logos? And, you know, happy, talkative. And, you know, I didn't I never asked him for anything. And out of the blue, he'd send me a bag of guitar picks that was just intermixed with all kinds of crazy stuff in there. And, you know, but you're right. You would see him. And he'd always say hi. And he was always smiling, always happy. You know, I can't ever remember a time where he looked down, ran away from you, brushed you off. I mean, none just, of them do. Just the most genuine, nicest person, you know, and and I think to some extent that's why he was with Kiss for 20 years as yeah. Paul's tech, his mm -hmm. personal tech, his his as Paul said, his buddy. I mean, he was there with Paul off the road helping him on stuff. You know, this is this is the loss of a genuinely nice person, mm -hmm. a father I mean, of three boys. Yep. And it will it sickens me to see a single fan try and question this and drag it into the dirt, because you know what? Those people are the dirt. If you're dragging somebody like this into the dirt, you are the dirt. That's it. Right. That's all I can say. You are scum. Yeah, because I mean, and, and 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 be respectful also not only to the band members, but I mean, Ryan, Michael, Roman, the other crew members, Tracy, I mean, they were family, Danny, Steve, they're they're all incredibly wonderful people, and they are hurting even more because of that tight connection that they have as a group on the road and i'm just begging people please have respect and just let it be what it is and don't push the envelope and don't post on sites saying well we know it's something that that, that it's different or it's you don't know so it, it just give yeah, everybody yeah that's the part that upset me as well um seeing comments of people on both sides of the, of the aisle trying to make it political one way or the other. I'm like, guys, this is a human being. This is somebody, put it this way, if you're watching this podcast, most likely he touched your life in one way where you, you didn't even know. I mean, well, like let's, said, let's, it, let's be honest, Mark. He's the guy who introduced Kiss. You wanted the I best, was, you got the best. Yeah, that was I, Fran. I, I was going to segue into that. That's that's kind of what I was getting at. That's whose voice introduced the shows. That's the guy who gave your kids guitar picks. You know what I mean? That's the guy that when you did Paul's meet and greet, he took you back and he made sure your experience was a wonderful one. I mean, that's the guy that I know. And, and I tell you, I'll just share you a little story. And this is the kind of thing that really hits home, uh, you know, with me. Um, when the KISS show was canceled originally here in Detroit on September 1st, I knew the crew was in town. So I, I called Fran. I'm like, hey, man, you want to go out to dinner with Liz and I? He's like, God, that'd be awesome. So we went over to this hotel. We took him to a really nice sushi restaurant. We had drinks. We had a great time. And he's like, I'd love to see your kiss stop. And I'm like, come on. So and keep in mind, this is a work night. This is like a Wednesday night. 
So we drive from uh, from the restaurant and we drive to my house. We sat here in the same basement I'm in right now, going through my CDs. He was going through my collection. And it just, uh, again, just that wide-eyed, kid-like, great, you know, spirit that, you know, we just had a ball down. You know, and finally, I'm like, man, I, I got, it was like midnight by now. I'm like, I got to get you back to the hotel. I got to get up for work in the morning but you know i've seen this guy on the road a million times and when he was here he's like hey man like i said just uh let's go back and look at your kids kiss i mean you'd think he would have had enough kiss to come out his eyeballs you, you, know you, I mean? you, you would think mark would be the guy going to fran going fran can you show me what the kiss stuff is that you got <laughs> right right <laughs> Well, and, and, and he's just like one of us. We, you could, you could, we would bust each other's balls. I'll tell you, oh, a quick, yeah. I'll tell you a quick little story. you like this. And this is like how Fran is. So I was at the St. Paul show and I was taking photos and this security gal came up to me and grabbed me by the arm. And she's like, who are you? And I told her who I was and I have, I had my Alexis pass on and was taking pictures. It's like, you can't do that. I said, well, no, I, I'm, you know, I can, I, I've got permission. And we went back and forth for a couple of minutes. So I said, fine, let's solve this right now. So I, I go around the side of the stage uh, where Fran's standing and I'm, I'm like, Fran, will you please explain to her that what the deal is? And he looks right at her and he's like, I've never seen this guy before. <laughs> Kick him the fuck out. <laughs> just that's how he is. He, he is. And, and it, you know, and he would just tease me about that. And I, it, I don't know, man. I just, he, this one he hits was, home. This yeah, he was, close. he was, he was one of a kind. And he, he, he really was. And I'm, I'm going to miss him, man. I'm, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be weird going on the the cruise in a couple with less than a week and a half. Yeah. Because I, he was one of the first people I sought out. I'm begging you. If you see people that are posting negative things and trying to start with political stuff, please walk away just from them. Just walk leave away. them alone. Don't engage, don't, don't, don't engage give them. them. Yeah. Don't this, give them the time of day. This is, this is about the memories of, of Fran, a, 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 a great friend to so many people and and a father to three boys i mean you know he's 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 just like us yep and yeah this one this one i i remember when i saw keith's post online talking about this and for a second i'm like it, I couldn't even believe, no, Fran can't be gone. Fran will be here forever. Keith, this has got to be an inside joke between yeah. Keith and Fran that Keith posted. And then I started seeing condolences on Fran's own page. And I'm like, did this? No, this is true. And I just can't, uh, you know, I don't think it's really sunk in yet. I mean, it's just, it was so sudden. And yeah, yeah I mean, he's a guy that everybody knew. And not just people in the business or around Kiss, but fans, all of the fans that are posting how they knew him and encountered him and nice things. You know, remember that. Ignore the assholes out there. Yeah. Um, all right. So Mark's got to drop the puck or drop a deuce or something like that. I don't know it's, what it's it is. It's hockey season. Get it's used hockey to it. season. There's a lot so, of Tuesday games. So, so uh, let's... 
let's just get into this week's guest. We'll bring this back up. We are joined this week by Michael Ross from the band Gypsy Rose, who was personally signed by Gene Simmons to Simmons Records. And Michael goes into the whole story about how Gene discovered the band, how he signed the band, writing songs with the band, uh, the video shoot that he was at with the band, everything. I mean, it's a great insight on, on a band that was signed by Gene and Gene's involvement in their career. So let it roll and we'll see you at the end. Want to get your official three sides of the coin logo and shocker tee? Now you can. We ship worldwide. Get yours online at shop.threesidesofthecoin.com. Hey, three sides of the coin world. We are uh, we're honored to have a guest with us. And you you heard me a couple weeks ago pissing and moaning. Well, this wasn't the guest I was pissing and moaning about. I Mike, thought it was. Yeah, I know. Michael sends me an email. Goes, you weren't talking about me when you said you were pissed at guests not showing up. I'm, no, no, <laughs> no. It's somebody else who will remain nameless, but will probably never right. show up again because I'm done chasing them. Um, we're joined by Michael Ross. Now, you've got to be a bit of a diehard Kiss fan here to follow where we're going and why Michael's here. But there's a definite, huge Kiss connection that Michael's got. He's in a band called, or was, I don't know, is the band still active, Michael? Yeah, we just played Athens, Athens, Greece, and the next night we were in Germany, but that was almost three years ago. But so he's, Michael's in a band called Gypsy Rose. So put on your thinking caps real quick. Who out there knows the Gypsy Rose connection to Kiss? I'll give you three seconds. One, two, three. Gypsy Rose was signed by Gene Simmons to Simmons Records in the 80s, the first go around of Simmons Records. Mm -hmm. So, my, Michael, were you like, you weren't the first band because House of Lords was the first yep. band. And then Silent Rage. Okay. And then, and then our producer, Tom Tremuth, had made up three trips to New York, to RCA, and they were sitting on it. And then, um, Jason Flom, didn't he work in Atlantic, right? Atlantic, Atlantic. yeah. Yeah, yep. and he was kind of getting interested. Long story short, so the lawyer uh, called me, uh, my lawyer that, from New York, he says, what size of RCA jacket do you want on? Or do you want? And I was like, you know, crying. And then he goes, but hang on. I got one more for you. And I, he, I go, what? He goes, Gene Simmons was just walking down the hallway by an executive's door and heard Poisoned by Love. And he stopped and said, who the fuck is that? And that's, uh, I got two in one day. Wow, that, so, that's actually a very cool way of basically being discovered is, you know, Gene just yeah. walks by and hears your music and loves it. And then, and at the end, Gene signs you to Simmons Records, which is distributed by RCA Records at the time. Yeah, because we were going to sign just direct to RCA, right? So, and uh, we... And we didn't really have, I didn't have any inkling about Gene. I mean, I knew he was there and that, right? But it wasn't, we were trying to go that way or, you know, knock on this door. It was just, it was just wild. And then he, he had, uh, he called me 
and we had to uh, rent a little small or whatever rehearsal space, just us. And then he was going to fly in to see us, which he did, but he canceled twice because Shannon was pregnant then with Nicholas. Now, now you guys are out of Canada, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Whereabouts in like Canada? Yeah, well, the Ontario. Toronto's about two and a half, three hours away from me, but I'm like 45 minutes from Detroit, right in the Michigan border. Yeah. What, so where, what city? Sarnia. Oh, fuck. I go to Sarnia all the time. Well, I did before. <laughs> I know, because when I saw you on the show, I was like, man, I go, that guy's got to be from Michigan. I, I saw your Red Wing stuff, that the accent, I could tell, right? So, yeah, Sarnia. So, yeah. so, 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 so Gene, Gene flies up to Canada to <laughs> see you guys rehearse? Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, we were rehearsed. We were ready to go, had to set down, we had all our stage clothes on, the whole nine yards. And it was this long, like, yeah, really long, like it looked like this little old Polish hall, like it just, you know, just us. And it was all quiet, and we, you know, our producer was going to get him at the airport, and and then we could hear, you know, before cell phones, and everything, right? So we don't know. Then the, our road manager is by the door, and he goes, "They're here! They're here!" So the door opens, and Gene walks in, and he is as tall as you—he's taller than you ever think he was, right? But what? Uh, and then he just stopped, put his hand up, kind of waved, just shook his head, like you know, just once, like let's go. So we played. We played. I thought we played like shit. And I didn't sing good. The guys played. I really didn't sing good that day. I didn't think. So Gene had gotten there. I wasn't sure. If Gene, but we had a limo regardless. We had a limo. And Gene was going to take us to the Elbow Combo. Right? You ever heard of that place? Yep. In Toronto. Yeah, real famous. So he still didn't say we're done. We're in our stage. He didn't say nothing. So finally, I'm sitting in the back of the limo. And everybody's making small talk. You know, and I go, Gene, I can't take it anymore. Are we fucking signed or what? <laughs> True story. <laughs> and he said to me, call your mom. And because there was a phone in the limo that was like 89 and that, you know, then that was to have a phone in the limo was pretty wild. Right. Yeah. But that's what he said to me, call your mom. And, and he signed us. So, yeah. That, so, so, and, and so that's how you got signed. Were you yep. a kiss fan before this? Honest to God. And I know people say it. I was, I remember being one of my last Halloween's I was 13, but I was Paul Stanley, but I was with my, my first band. You know, I was 14. Yeah, and we went out 13 or 14, doesn't matter, but it has Kiss, but I was Paul Stanley. I was the, I remember staying at my friend's house to watch the movie, and it's just like, sometimes it still blows me away, like I'll see something on TV with him, or even the show, I was talking to people, I go, I'm from Detroit, Ontario, that's just outside of Sarnia, really. It's a fourth population, 4,000. How the fuck did I get Gene Simmons in my corner? You know, blows my mind still to this day. You so, know? And, and again, you weren't, you weren't looking to get signed to Simmons Records. You were, no. you were going after RCA. So yeah. did you have other options? Or once Gene was interested, did you like, screw this, I got to work with Gene Simmons? Yeah, absolutely. It was all everything out, you know. There wasn't really a lot. Like I said, Tom had this production deal with RCA New York. So um, he, uh, like I said, he made two or three trips, and they were sitting on it. They liked it. They're sitting on it, sitting on it. And then I... There was something about Atlantic, Jason Blom, and I think maybe, I don't know if that was true or not, or if Tom just said that or something, but it seemed to nip at their heels, so to speak, right? And then they uh, they got on it and signed it. So it was all basically within one day. You know, my, my uh, jacket and then Gene Simmons walking down the hall. Like, what are the odds? So did you get it? So so big question. Did you get a Simmons Records jacket? Are you going to kill? He's going to kill me for this if he's listening to it. Yes, I did. Because he only had about 25 made then, and he sent me one. 
for uh, for Christmas, uh, and that was in '89. Korea, just before '90, he sent me one, and it's it's gone. It was stolen. Oh. I know, man. You know how much? <laughs> and you would when he, I would wear that thing in the summer, right? And Mark will tell you, you know, we'll get so it's hot down here too. And I would wear it. And it was, but the only thing I'll never understand: Simmons' coat was a winter coat. I'll never understand that, but it was because he's from LA, right? But it was a winter coat. I would wear that to the bar, sweating. I didn't care. I want everybody to see that I was signed to Simmons Records, right? So, so as as a band, when when Gene came to see you rehearse, how long had your band been together at that point? We had um, a year and a half because our drummer was the last to join us. Yeah, our drummer. Yeah, we were a. Uh, the guitar player, little Brian, who's with, with the Gypsy Rose, he had been with me for since '86. I yeah, when I because I was a drummer full time. I only I sang one song a night. I used to sing "Night Ranger," still rock in America, right? And that that's all I would do. And then I wanted to. Uh, I, everybody kept saying to me, "Man, you should be a singer. You should be a singer." And then so, but, but anyways, yeah, Brian was with me uh, since '86. Then we got the band put together, and Steve was probably with us. I think at least six months before Gene came and saw us at the, at the rehearsal hall. Yeah. Now, now Canada and, you know, Toronto, the Ontario area has, has always had a pretty good rock scene. I mean, there's, there's plenty of bands that have come out of there. Were you oh, yeah. got any of you guys in bands prior to Gypsy Rose that we might've heard of? In bands? No, not, not really. Um, I mean, a funny, funny thing, Toronto had, but they don't, I, I don't think they have it anymore, but, Honeymoon Sweet, who's from Niagara oh, Falls, yeah. right? Yep. Newt. The, the Johnny G is one of the reasons too. I wanted to be a lead singer, you know, because I, I would see them out in out in the clubs because I was a drummer. That was, I started when I was twenty with my first full time band on the road, just as drummer, six nights a week, right? You know, long and, and then there was the Q107 uh, in Toronto had had their Q107 contest, homegrown, and this band vehicle that I was the drummer in, they wanted to put these two songs in. Because Honeymoon Suite had won it the year before or two years before, no more than two with New Girl now. So it was huge. So anyways, and I, well, I said, well, little, what about this song? And, and they said, no, no. And they were kind of, so anyways, I quit, got back home, put the band together as fast as I could. I didn't even know who Brian was. I found out asking around for, for a guitar player. Went and recorded the song that I'd written called Need You Tonight, entered the song, and we won the contest. <laughs> out of 600, there was just under 700 bands that year. Used to, it was, he was huge at the time. Huge. So by the time Gene got there, had you, how many songs, because, you know, back in that day, because I've, I've, I've worked with bands, you know, it's like, oh, you do a three-song demo tape this this year, and you do another three songs. How many songs do you got, did you guys have ready? for That are on play? I would say, I think uh, basically all. Yeah, it was basically all written. I think it was. So once, uh, once, once Gene signed you, then what was the next step? What, what, what did he want you to do then? Did he like go, okay, now I need you to do some more rehearsals. I, you need to work on the songs, come back in a month or, you know, come to LA, write with me. What was his next step for you guys? His, once he well, you? he was never in the studio physically with us once, but he was on the phone with me all the time. Oh, I'd say almost practically every day. I used to have friends come over to my house and say, can I answer your phone? And they'd sit there all day. <laughs> True story. 
So, and I would let them do, right? My friend still talks about it. I, I go, you did? I don't remember that. I remember him coming over. But uh, anyway, so I call it like the, the phone album because Gene went through uh, with me on all my lyrics and everything, right? Because I've always taken good pride in my lyrics. Not, I, and he just, I remember one time, like there's a song called Shiver and Shake. It's like the eighth song or something. And I said, there was something on the line I was going to change. Uh, uh, something about I'm on my knees, baby, or something. And he was like, no. No, you're not, not going to, you cannot give that bow to a woman like that and don't write it like that. So he, he did help me, you know what I mean? And, and, but even though the songs were written, I think there were still a few that needed uh, title changes and that. So he really worked a lot with me on the lyrics. So, so did he basically have a little input on every song on that album? I believe so pretty much. Yep. In the order and everything. And then he was there for a video shoot. I just, so, but yeah. And, and as you said, he, he wasn't in the studio, but he was the executive producer, right? I mean, I think, I think that yeah. was the thing. Gene was the executive producer of every album on Simmons Records. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he uh, like I said, though, he, he basically just, I wouldn't say dismantled my lyrics, but he went through with a fine tooth and comb with me. He really did. Like, he spent time with me on it. He didn't just, you know, five minutes say, oh, yeah, I got good. And then once, once then we go in the studio, go down and try to record it, and then, uh, We'd send him the cassette, right? And there was the day before, the time before when people listened to this in 50 years. It was way before for cell phones and that. So we'd send a cassette, and then he would go over with me if he liked it, you know. And then there, there was, as it was, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, but I, there was a big name change that we were going to go through that Gene came up with. We had, and they had T-shirts made and everything, sweatshirts. Gene wanted to change. We, when I got signed to Tom Tremuth, who was the guy with RCA, he, uh, Tom, who did so much for us and for myself personally, Tom, um, we were called Secret Affair. And that was that was still kind of like the uh, the parachute pants days were kind of le leaving. You know I mean, it was kind of right. the lovey dovey stuff was going to go. We need to get heavier. Because my very first heavy song I ever wrote in my life, like I had to be schooled on it because I wasn't a heavy writer, was Wild Reaction. And I wrote it, Mark will know where this is in Windsor at a bowling alley. <laughs> I wrote it down on the back of the scorecard, which I don't, I'm sick of that song, but I wrote it down because I had to be schooled on how to write heavy. So anyways, so then the Tom Truth found, came up with Gypsy Rose and we were going to do that. Then Gene called one day and said, listen, I got a name. And we were going, what? He said, I think we need to change it. Because I remember I had a name called Snakes and Ladders. We were throwing everything out there, right? Trying to get heavy because Skid Row was huge then and cinderella you know so we're, i guess we're trying to go that way and gene says wet engine <laughs> and wet engine is uh, i guess an la slang term for you know the uh the girls thing i'm just gonna be polite lisa's on the show <laughs> not ready to say the word but you know what i mean wet engine which i actually didn't like at first then i liked it and actually so we had t-shirts and sweatshirts our producer Tom Tremuth did and actually rachel boland is wearing the wet engine t-shirt in their very first home DVD that, that, that Skid Row did. He's got okay. cool. You'll see the, the, the wet engine. And no, I don't have one anymore. I don't know where that. I gave that stuff away because, you know, I was at Gene's house, had his boots on and dragon boot in my left foot. You know, I used to, you know, I thought I'd be there forever, right? So, you know, and plus we didn't have cell phone cameras, right? So I didn't like want to, you know, right away, oh, can I take a picture? Can I take a picture? You know, so you guys know you're in the business, right? So, so, so he suggests wet engine, but yeah. what, what caused you guys not to take that and to stick with Gypsy Rose? I, I think it was just, I think it was an executive or a couple of guys from RCA or it might've been Gene. I honestly can't answer that. Honestly, 
then we just went back to Gypsy Rose. I don't know why, because like I said, I didn't like what engine at all at first, but then it grew on me and the logo was, you know, a killer car and it had a chick riding the hood of the car. It was pretty cool, right? So, but I, I, I honestly don't know why it went back reverted, but I do know that, that that record was ready to go in 89, like just before Christmas, I think a little bit. And uh, they, it was being sat on and sat on. And then, you know, by the time we, we were released, it was almost the end of it, right? The hair days. So, so, so we I, I guess what, what we're saying is the album was ready to be released as Wet Engine and it was being sat no, on? I, no, I, no, I mean, the songs basically were almost there. But then, like I said, Gene did dismantle some of those titles and that with me, right? But okay. it could have been released sooner, even if it was in March or February. Do you know what I mean? Give us six months a head start. Because right. it got released August 9th, 90, 1990, right? So, yep, yep. You, you, you got released right, right before that, the 80s hard rock imploded. Yeah, I know, because and I remember we were booked for a three week tour in England. And I was, oh my, I mean, I talk about myself, but I know the guys were excited too. But then uh, Gene himself wouldn't let us go because they had tanks at, tanks at Heathrow and everything, right? For the Gulf War. So they wouldn't let us go, so they canceled the tour. It was just bad luck, you know. All so the way did around. you guys end up doing any touring in support of anybody, even in the yeah, U.S.? But no, not in the U.S. No, in Canada, we did huge. Yeah, all around Canada, all the major cities. You know, the Winnipeg's, Calgary's, Edmonton's. You know, and then we were ready to go to Vancouver, and then uh, Gene had us come back and uh, to uh, uh, to do uh, do a remake, to cut a remake of uh, All by Myself. Right, uh, by Eric Carmen, because he had good luck with the House of the Lords, right? With that uh, Steve Winwood song and that, right? And um, so, the, we, we have, so we played every major city, but, you know, Montreal, everything. So do you, do you think it, it came down to just bad timing, meaning yeah. you guys got signed too late? It took too five long to get it out, you know, then... Then and it wasn't long after that that Simmons Records folds and yeah, but but we were the last to really be let go and so was Gene's label. I, well, I mean that's what I mean together because the president of RCA who was you know loved us loved Gene. Uh, he had a contract dispute and he left and then they brought in a uh, Joe Galante from Nashville. You know nothing against him but he's he was a country guy right and uh, I. Then we were gone, but, but from what I heard at the time, there was other acts cut in that from the label, right? But we were one of the last to be cut, like the Simmons Records itself to be gone. But yeah, it was just bad timing, man. It was just horrendous, horrendous timing. So what what was Gene's involvement outside of, of helping you craft the songs? Was he involved in everything related to marketing and promotion and your image well, he, and your look and well, feel? Yeah. and? Well, he was going to be, yes. And, and because what happened was then when the deal was lost, you know, didn't know what to do. And Gene um, asked me and he, he started managing us. Right. So um, because Tom Tremuth had been doing it, the producer from Toronto and, you know, uh, hindsight's, you know, 2020, but Tom had put a lot of work into it. And I'm, I always kind of feel bad about that, you know, that we kind of, you know, bailed. But so then Gene uh, managed us for about a year and a half. But, you know, and, and to no fault to Gene. It was just, you know, he was trying to get stuff done, but it was just, it was a dead horse, right? You know? Well, and the music shift was happening at oh, that point, too. Yeah. That's and that made, I mean, I'm yeah. sure, made it harder. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, he, the stuff, he was trying to do stuff. We were, 
writing stuff and writing stuff. And I kept writing. We were going to the studio and Gene paid uh, for uh, a session here for us. There was a really good, still is here actually in Sarnia. Uh, Al Hill's got a studio. So we were in there recording. Gene had us go in there and for hopefully it was going to be the second record. And then I remembered that he said, get a hall book. Jimmy Iovine's going to come see you <laughs> in Toronto. So, you know, so, so Gene was trying. He was trying. You know, and, and, and if you think back to the whole climate at that point in time, Gene was probably also busy trying to just keep Kiss from dying at that time too. I mean, because... You know, we had um, Benny Doro, who was from Canada as well, on the show. And he talked because Paul Stanley managed Benny. And he talked about going from Hot in the Shade to Revenge. And Kiss went from full arenas to half-filled arenas from one tour to the next. And they were just like, what's going on? You know, it wasn't wasn't unique to Kiss or you. Anybody who was anything not grunge was just dead overnight basically yeah 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 it's right so you know so um it's what was the guy's name benny dora benny doro he was in a band called uh unchained and he was in the kiss tribute band called black diamond oh i remember that now because they played the gasworks in that in toronto i think yeah 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 yep 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 so but, but i think to answer your question kind of about if i'm i think uh at that time, Paul and Gene weren't really getting along. I'd heard a little bit of, or I didn't hear it from the horse's mouth, but you know, I mean, a little bit of tension because Gene was putting other, his time into other things as in us and that, right? And I think that was happening in that. And um, I could see it a few times, but you know, that Paul, the last time I saw Paul Stanley, that he was so nice to me. And, you know, it was just, uh, but I, I could tell, so I remember we saw them, they played in London, which is what now we're from in London, Ontario. And we went there and I, I could, I thought that there was a little bit of, you know, did he just uh, when Gene introduced us, we said, "Hey, here's the Gypsy Rose guys, right?" And that I just think that uh, he, there was a little bit of friction, just too much time Gene was spending. I think. So you know? how how much you know as a Kiss fan, how much yeah. Kiss exposure did you get? Did you get to hang out with uh, Kiss when they yeah. were doing stuff? Did Gene invite you? Did he did he share yeah. stuff with you? Yeah, we went to uh, SIR. They were rehearsing for the uh, Still the Hot and Shade tour, I think, or Revenge, maybe it was then. Well, it was still hot and shade. And we went to SIR. You know those places, don't you, in yep. New York? Big rehearsal spots. And yeah, we went there. So did you get those? I sent you a picture yesterday. Did you get those? Yep. yep. Oh, you did? Yes. Yeah, so we went there, and that was uh, Eric Carr was there. And you know what? Anybody and everybody I've heard, especially on your show, too, that says about Eric Carr, man, that guy was God's gift. He was so kind, friendly. I remember he gave me probably 20 or 25 drumsticks all signed and, and I brought them home. And again, thinking I was going to be there forever. Right. I, I gave all my friends and that. Right. And, uh, you know, but I remember Eric, Eric Carr and I walked into a deli, taking a take They were taking a break in rehearsal and we were uh, just walking and talking to him. Right. He, he was the most unassuming rock star. You know, he was just so kind, gracious and just didn't, uh, he was the same as everybody else. There was no attitude, basically what I should just say, right? No, no cockiness, nothing. When, when, when you were in situations like that, were you trying to soak it up as a KISS fan, I guess? Meaning like, yeah. oh my God, look at where I am as a KISS fan. Or were you, what can I learn from these legends yeah. of the music business to help my band go and succeed? I mean, how, how were you approaching it? 
Yeah, uh, that's funny. You reminded me of a story. We were eat, eating breakfast in New York City with Gene, and you'd see uh, everybody looking right at the table. And it's kind of funny, stupid. I don't know, but I threw my fork down, and I, I said really loud. I'm so sick when people recognize me and won't leave me alone. And Gene laughed so hard because nobody knew who I was, right? They were looking at him, right? So it was just... Uh, yeah, I, I would just, just, I really paid attention to what he had to say because he knows what he's talking about. And, you know, and, um, and the guys, but too, I remember one time uh, our guitar player, Brian, um, called Gene about something and Gene was pissed. And he called me back and he says, one guy, one representative from the band, which I get, right? So just even things like that, you know, um, you know what I mean? Like just the, the common etiquette to, for bands, what's, you know, he was right. Don't have, I don't want three guys calling me, you know, all day. So, but yeah, I would like, I mean, I had the rehearsal, just, just really watching, you know, just, it was, like I said, I'm, I'm such a big Kiss fan, still am, you know, and it still blows my mind that I'm every day. It blows my mind. It really does. What were you, you know, when, when you guys released your album, what was it like? in your hometown in Canada when all of a sudden it's like, okay, local, local band, local guys, you know, get well, yeah, signed, get signed by Gene Simmons on his record label. I mean, was yeah, that, he, uh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, was that, was that a, a big deal at home? Oh, oh my God. It was insane. That there was a, I don't know, Mark, if you, uh, do you remember a place here in Sarnia called the, the, the Campbell street station? I do not. I remember the Windsor bars more because oh, I went to Windsor Campbell a lot Street. more. Okay, the Campbell Street like, Station. Was the did you play California's and all that down in Windsor? Yeah, yeah, in Windsor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did play there once. I do remember that. But the, the Campbell Street Station, I'm not just saying because of beer. It was like Honeymoon Suite came here all the time. Um, it was huge. So Gene had said about us doing a record release party. And I said, well, because we did do one in Toronto. But I said, the main one I really want to do is in Sarnia. And he said, really, why? And I just said, that, well, that's where we're from. He goes, okay. So I remember they were lined up outside 3D. And all those people knew they couldn't get in, right? It was just sold out. Because much music, Gene had much music, um, you know, Canada's equivalent, or not equivalent, but try to be of MTV. They filmed the Pepsi Power Hour. We're coming down the limo. And they filmed the whole show of our record release party. But I remember I took the guys... And I made them go outside with me and shook everybody's hand, you know, like even all those people just waiting. They knew they couldn't get in. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, something that Gene did. And also at that Christmas, we, there was a, a cancer benefit. There was a little girl that was really sick. And I remember calling him and Gene sent a pair of snake skin boots, his own. You could tell they were worn. He signed them inside. Not, he didn't even have to think of it twice. He sent them. It was absolutely. My buddy still has them. I see him at the grocery store. I go, Carl, you still got them boots? He still has them in the box. He's never taken them out. So it was like a celebrity auction. So I was trying to get stuff that I could. But when Gene sent those boots, yeah, that was wild. I wanted to keep them. I remember looking at them in the closet going, Jesus, you know, I wanted to keep them. But so it, it was just, yeah, it was amazing that, uh, like I said, I would wear my Simmons coat in the summer. It was a winter coat and I'd be sweating, you know. So was, was, was he kind of like, uh, you know, a father to you guys? Is that how you? He kind of treated you, or you looked up to him. Yeah, or was it? Or was it really business? Was it just pure business? Like he's he's the label head. He signed us. He's the well, boss. I, I think I think near the end he got way more business, just business. But at the start, 
I think about all those phone calls and everything, you know, almost every day about the lyrics. And he was really, yeah, like a father, a big brother. And, you know, he, and he was always seemed to be in, you know, such a, a gracious, I mean, you know, uh, it just, you can tell by, you know, you can tell somebody's sound of voice, how, what kind of mood they're in almost, if you know them, you know, and he was, he was like that, I could tell. And he was just always very, very kind. And at the end, he started being a, I'm kidding, you know, he wasn't, but, you know, it was just, yeah, he was, he was like a father, a big brother, yeah. He was, so, was was there a moment when you put on your Kiss fanboy hat with Gene <laughs> and started asking him some Kiss related questions? Yeah, but I was I, I was careful, kind of be careful that there, he had an assistant at the time. There's another whole story with that. And, uh, and she uh, she would tell me a couple of things like, uh, just be careful, don't ask him, don't ask him to stick his tongue out. And I would tell my friends, like when we did the show in... Uh, in London, I took a couple of friends backstage. I said, "Listen, do not ask him to show stick his tongue out, right?" So, stuff, you know, like, like, yeah, like when we went backstage. We had dinner with him that night at the uh, at the arena, and that that was just, you know, because you would see people look like, like when I did that in New York at that breakfast, right? Because everybody was staring, and that I would feel like a million dollars, right? Because you knew people were probably going, "Who's that guy? Why is he with Gene Simmons?" Or you know, so. You know, and that's why I did the old. Uh, I'm sick of people recognizing me. He does. <laughs> so, but you know, what, what, what was there one, one piece of, I don't know, history where you're just like, okay, Gene, tell me, who was it who played on this album, or what was this song about, or do you, you know, did you ever have one of those moments where you're just like a pure Kiss fanboy, and you've no, got your I, idol right there? Well, but I, like me even asking to try the one boot on, I was nervous about that. Right, but because uh, I've, I've been to his house, I think three times. Yeah, three three times, I think. But I know I never really went like that, like that. Uh, you know who did that? I don't know why I didn't, but I just I mean sometimes I think about. It, I wish I would have asked him a little bit more, but I had such little time with him and st and, and due respect. You know what I mean? That I would use it just as. Do you know what I mean? What was um, right. I didn't really get a chance, like like because we lived so far apart, so. But I wanted to ask him questions like that. Like, I wanted to tell him about me going over for Halloween, like we're talking, right? I wanted to tell him about me um, being Paul Stanley, ha, ha, you know, stuff like that. But I didn't have enough time really with him, right? If that makes sense. No, it, 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 it makes sense. And, you know, and I, I, and I can relate, having worked with them for a number of years, I always looked at it as, you know, you were there for a different reason. You were in Gene's presence for a different reason. Yeah. You weren't there as a fan. You were there working on an album writing a song yeah. and and, yeah. and at least for me personally i always felt it's not appropriate to go fanboy and say oh can you autograph these 12 items for me and tell See, me about the studio and that was another thing when you say that about me asked him to autograph stuff i didn't want to do that right i just i didn't want to do it you, so you just reminded me of something though. I, I also was a our bass player at the time i forget why I think this is where we're kind of splitting up with Tom Tremute and Gene was going to handle us. Got his bass repossessed. He had like a $2,000 Webster bass that got repossessed. And Gene sent Finney one of his basses. He, Gene sent it to my house. And Finney had that for almost a year on the road. Like, so that's, I mean, that's pretty freaking cool of him, wasn't it? Sure. You, oh, don't, yeah. hear, you don't hear, people don't hear a lot of that, those kind of things. You know what I mean? And that was pretty wild. You know, I eventually took the bass back to him. Right. But, you know, stuff like that. He, he was always at that time. He was he was there for us. And I felt that, you know, 
So what was it you did? You did the website? Yeah, I, 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 they brought me in to build the website and launch it and run it. I was there from 98 to 2005 or something like that. Oh, really? That's wild. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I, I can relate. You know, it's, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, my God, I'm a fan. But, yeah, yeah I don't want to, you know, I'm here for another reason. I wasn't, you know, yeah. Gene, didn't, Gene didn't sign a deal with you because you were a kiss fan he signed a deal because he liked yeah. your music and thought there was something there so you sure. needed to focus on what he you know as we all know gene's all about yeah. business yep 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 so business is speaking, first speaking about being a kiss fan i don't um what he sent me an advanced copy of hot in the shade and i put it on cassette and i put it in and it was disco music and i'm going fuck off so I rewind it, right? I put checking the checking the tape out. I'm looking at it. I go, no, put it back in. Dip, 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 disco music. So then I'm going, you've got to be kidding me. My friend was there with me, and I remember going, oh my god, what's this going on? I didn't know he was playing a joke on me. So I'm wrestling with the to call him or not. And Whitney goes, well, you better. So I called him, and I told him, and he was like, uh, something like Michael, there's not time for this or something, right? I said, Gene, listen. I had the phone and I put it so that he said, I got to go. And so what they must have been the factory or something, right? Wound it different or, or with the wrong tape or something, right? That's funny. A, lo a lot of them, but that's a true story. Hand of God. I'll never forget it. If I was the one that saved the disco kiss. There, there, <laughs> there, 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 there's a kiss collectible, the hot in the shade with a disco album on it. I know, eh? I sent it back to him though. I know. <laughs> I know, I know. But, but you know what? You know what? You see, I keep saying this. I have a terrible memory. My friend Whitney, I have one or two cassettes at her place, demos that Gene of songs that Gene did that have never been released that he had sent to us to see if we wanted to record them. I still have it. Wow, very cool. Yeah, you know, I will get that and we'll speak and I'll uh, yeah, because I actually forgot about it. Horrible memory, Mike. Horrible. Did, did, you know, back to your album, did Gene give you any songs and say? I want you to record this song. You know, I, I I like this. Or was he more than happy with the material you had? He was happy with the material, but like I remember, I don't know why he was sending us. He didn't like overdo it, and he wasn't like, I want no, you, you guys at least record, at least record it. He didn't do that. He left it all basically up to myself and Tom to move, and I, I they were good. I just didn't hear anything that overdid what I had, and he obviously must have agreed with it because there was no arguments or anything, right? You know. So, so but, it, it, uh, it seems like he was then, to some extent, kind of hands off. I mean, he wasn't a very, he wasn't very forceful with, with the band. Well, you know, you obviously, got, he was giving you input and direction yeah. and let's rework yeah. this lyric or whatever. But it wasn't like, all right, you've got to completely change your image or you've got to complete. Yeah. I'm, I, I don't yeah. care what you like about the name. You've got to change your name. You've got. Well, he, he, you're right about that until. We get to the video shoot. Now, this is key. So we're at the shoot the video shoot. Am I going too far ahead or is it okay? No, go okay. ahead. So we're in a video shoot at this uh, uh, Pier 47 in Brooklyn, New York. They used to build uh, World War II and during World War II uh, submarines. And there's these valves and everything. It just it was abandoned. And that's where they picked they were going to do the video shoot for Poison by Love. So we went there. When you watch the video, it was 17 hours. You know how they do it. There's the, the band, the track, right? 
the, yep. you know, the camera, the gun, and all that. And then right there, not for everybody's video shoot, but mine is a chair of Gene Simmons staring at me. Right. So about a half hour in, cut, cut. He goes like this, right? He takes me aside and he he laid into me, leaned into me because I hadn't been really taking care of myself. And I, you know, I, what I'm saying is I put a little bit of poundage on it and thought, and he thought so too. And I wasn't really just letting loose yet, right? It was my first video, right? And my actually my only one now. So, but he had said to me, he said in my ear, he says, Michael, fucking Sebastian Bach is who you have to go against. So you need to fucking let it go, you know, about trying, you know, trying to get, get me uh, to just go crazy or, you know, just not instead of being so tight, you know. So, and, and, and did that change things for yeah. you? Yeah, because uh, I think it's a minute and 11 seconds. I do an incredible move. <laughs> just a backwards thing. I don't, I've never done it in my life. I, and if I, my girlfriend from a couple of years ago asked me to try to do it again. And we watched the video and I can't do the move anymore. But yeah, he helped. He, he loosened me up. Even though he was still right, I mean, he was like, he was five feet from me, you know, for almost 17 hours. He was there for the whole video shoot. So he was hands on with that, you know. That's awesome. And and by the way, I think Lisa is going to be joining us in a moment here. So you'll get to experience the entire Three Sides crew whenever Lisa shows up. Um, but, uh, okay, so... Talk me through what it felt like as the band when basically the music industry changed, the music climate changed, you know, the huh? deal was lost. Were you guys like, that's it? It's over? Life, life sucks? I mean, or did you yes. double down and try and fight harder? Take us into what was going on in the mind of, of a band that, you know, basically was on the top of the world not not and i don't mean that money wasn't rolling in and it wasn't huge success but no, but you, got, you got the record deal you were working with oh, yeah. Simmons the way i say it the way i explain it to people is i made the nhl i just got to play a year you know what i mean right is the way i explain it um and it was uh to, to lose it was, it was devastating it was absolutely it was I, I mean it was devastating i still remember the call but then he kind of put a little bit of light back in, into my spirit in that, right? By saying, hang on, hang on, you know, about come, come, come on board. And uh, like I said, he tried. I know he tried several different things, but like, you know, like Tommy had interjected there, but they were just done, right? Music had changed. But he, it, it was, um, it's a feeling, because like we, we were, when you say we're on top of the world, we were, I remember the very first time, it was at a Christmas of, must have been of 88, just before 89. And I went to a store and it was a Christmas dinner at my mom's and uh, going through all these magazines every day I was, because I knew it was coming up and I opened a metal edge and there was this little picture, but I saw Gene Simmons with me. It says Gene Simmons, new signing. I'll never forget that I, I started crying. I mean, I done it. That was like for me, right? When I saw myself a metal edge, little blurb. I remember taking it to my mom and then, and then, you know, we're in circus. Uh, we had the back cover circus. Uh, we were in, uh, um, hip parader but circus you know we're all the same age basically like we all had those magazines right yep. circus best and hip parader and then um i must lose my train of thought oh oh i know and then we remember uh we remember one in milwaukee number one in salt lake city number 10 with a bullet in, in la at kanak and uh, you know what i mean we were happening and i know a lot of it has to do with gene and it still does like when we went to athens 
uh, not even three years ago, and uh, Germany, I'm sure almost a lot of, if not all that crowd, was because of KISS, you know, because we were science. People kept were interested. Well, you know? yeah, I, I was going to ask you. I mean, I remember back then, you know, once I learned as a fan, because I wasn't, I wasn't in the, I just started working for a small management company, but I really wasn't yeah. deep in the music business yet, but a huge KISS fan since the 70s. And yeah. once Gene Simmons had a record label, didn't matter who the band was, I was buying it. It was like, okay, yeah. basically my rock star God has anointed Gypsy Rose, therefore I will support yeah. them. House of Lords, yeah. the same way. Silent Rage, the same way. It didn't matter to me as a Kiss fan. I became a Gypsy Rose fan because Gene was involved. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get yeah. a lot? Did you hear a lot of that? Absolutely, absolutely, I did. Like I guess, I mean, it just uh, like I, they, we, we, I think we did two or three uh, conventions. Would get a hold of us, like Kiss convention. Yep. And we would go and sign autographs and that kind of stuff, right? They would come say, see, meet Gene's new signing. It was all in Canada, but still, it was cool. And, uh, you know, but yeah, it, it's, um, I'm sure a lot of it was like, I mean, we just went to Greece the very first night. I remember people, a couple coming in from England, where that was their holiday, and a couple in from Hungary, or, or um, Czech Republic. And it, I know that we were released worldwide, but still, it's got to be a lot to do with Kiss, right? And I got to say, though, there's nothing in the world like being somewhere in a country where they don't speak English, but they look at you and sing your words. Wow. <laughs> it's, a, it's a feeling can't be uh, replicated. It's, it's wild. It's wild. That's awesome. But, well, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, well, you know, you talked about seeing your, that little blurb in Metal Edge and stuff. But what was it like, like walking into the record store you would go as a kid to buy a yeah. Kiss record, and then there's Gypsy Rose in the record shelves? Yeah, because yeah, it was my very first time in LA, I went to the record store tower just to see we had a slot and we were sold out. Yes, at that time. But yeah, it was I would do that all the time, you know, go to go to record stores. It was uh it was well, it, it, and I know I don't think personally, I've never been told that I was cocky or an asshole, but it was just a very proud feeling because of you know being associated with him, the god of rock, you know, basically. If you know, and it was just very proud feeling, like uh you know, I'm sure I had a little extra pep in my step, you know, but um, a lot of it was just to do with the admiration for him that I felt that I would I would attain some of that admiration. Like, well, you must be pretty good if Gene signed you, you know? Yeah. And I think about that sometimes, and I go, fuck, man, I, I must have been pretty good. Why did he fly all the way to Toronto, you know? So, I mean, I still write and, and record and, and all that. Um, but, yeah, it's just a lot of... Uh, admiration for him i'm sure from a lot of people all around and i hear that from a lot of people the guy from uh, england when they came to see us the couple uh and introduced themselves and they told me that uh like what you said um when we heard that gene simmons had signed this band gypsy rose it was basically like hey i gotta go get this you know so that was a lot of that and then, so like i said i'm sure that's what a, a lot of it was you know overseas so what what how was the record label, and, and by that I don't mean Simmons Records, because Simmons Records was essentially just Gene. Everything right. else was done by RCA. So yep. how was RCA's label in supporting you and working with you? They were not bad, but there's a funny story about our Canadian tour. Regina has hailed us. We were in Montreal, and RCA Montreal brought this, oh, my God, boxes and boxes of these killer posters that we wanted to get done. <laughs> they had no idea we, we were let go off the roster. 
so which I don't understand. But our skiing was pretty good. I mean, I, I never really heard of a part or a problem with um, um, you know, of of a um, you know, stuff out there available product, right? So I, I think it was pretty good for the most part, but that I still get blown away by that story how Canada never knew, you know. So and actually, you know what's funny? The very first time I ever met Gene, I have a picture of it. Um, was he was at an RCA party in Toronto, and I just got signed by Tom Trumpet's production deal because I remember Charlie Pride was there because I, <laughs> I got an autograph by Paris, but I remember Gene being there and I got a picture taken with him, and that was before any there was any anything of maybe we'll work together or anything. You know what I mean? wasn't right. even discussed you know i just introduced to him and you know that was that so was there any 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 interest from anybody after after you were dropped by basically rca simmons did you have any other labels interested in you well yeah um like i said Jeannie called me and said uh jimmy ivy is going to come see you and um this is the only kind of thing that bombs me out still but You'll see why. So we got this big hall, or not big hall, big club in Toronto. It used to be a grocery store. It held like three thousand. It was insane. Called Entex, and we went there and played. You know, he was coming to see us. So we get done, and again, I which we were, we were a really really good band. Those guys, my, they worked their asses off. Again, that made I didn't think we played good, but anyway, so, so that we had done the night. Nobody comes to the dressing room. Okay, maybe you know, next night. Day, night, nothing. Next day, night, nothing. Third, by the third day, I can't take it. Who could, right? Who could? So I called Gene, and uh, he said Jimmy couldn't make it. So that's pretty. Three days of hell for us, and then to hear that he didn't, he wasn't even there. That's the only downer about that that I have. You know, I don't know, like really telling the story. You know, but because it wasn't his fault. You know, but still that. Uh, Play, playing with the, my heart. Gotta get almost get choked up thinking about that feeling. And and, and 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 I mean, and again, nothing again. It wouldn't be anything against the band because the music climate had changed dramatically. But yes. and you've there, already done more than most folks will ever be able to accomplish. Well, yeah, yeah you, you've got a major That's label the other release. Piece of it. Yep. It so may I not have ended. Mean, it may not have ended the way you wanted, Michael. But shit, you yeah. got to, you got to the brass ring. You know, like I said, we made the NHL, right? Just got to play a year, then we're down the minors. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, and you know what's funny too is that that was the very first year they stopped making LPs. It was only CD, but, but Germany, only Germany made, made the LP, the Gypsy Rose LP. So didn't have to change your logo in Germany like Kiss did. No, there's another funny story. You got this. See, I keep remembering the stuff. I, but Gene, too, they did a name search. I remember it cost 10 grand. And there's Gypsy Rose toilet bowl cleaner. <laughs> there was a Gypsy Rose perfume for women. And Gene called, uh, what's his name? Mike Starr from Allison Chains. Right? Is that his name, Mike Starr? I think so, yeah. Because he, yeah, because he was in a band called Gypsy Rose. And Gene told them they have to change their name. True story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So th that was the... Yep. No, that was the only name. The logo. No, it was. Uh, though, though we, I changed the logo a few years ago. But yeah. So, isn't that weird though? Allison changed, right? Because I saw a thing with him. I was watching on YouTube about a month ago, and he talks about it's called icons, right? And it, he says about his band Gypsy Rose. I was waiting for him to say something about Gene Simmons calling, but he never mentioned that. But well, you know, and and to your your logo and and the album cover 
for the album Prey. I Gene mean, picked them. I, I was going to say, in all honesty, you know, looking at it now, it doesn't have that typical 80s LA hair metal band look. It does have more of a darker look to it. Was that intentional? Like it was almost like, okay, we know things are changing in the industry and maybe we got to downplay the looks of the band and play up the band as being a bit darker. I don't, I don't think so, but I do know that Gene, that was all him. He picked that. He, that was picture was in the RCA offices for something else. And it, it's a reverse negative. And Gene saw that and immediately, I don't know if the name was with it, with pray with the E or if that was his idea because the guy was just the praying motion, but that, that was instantaneous. Our album cover, he said, so he did all that. That was his, his choosing. So did so you was, have, did you have any input or was it like, this is it guys, nope. you, you don't get to say yes or no. I don't think he put it that way to us, but I think we all were basically just going along with it going, oh, cool, cool. You know, but the only thing that really sucks about our video is they were going to try to make it a little bit tougher and darker is what you're saying, suggesting, because if you look at it again, there's no girls in it. It's all guys. Right. right. And then, but I do remember they, they, we, I was bummed about that. And I made that, I was like, this is not, you know, I didn't really dig it. So we we're going to reshoot it because there was a girl that was going to get a ta real tattoo on her ass, Gypsy Rose, right? So, and we're going to do it, but that never filtered and it, it never happened. And they just put the video out. So, which I'm not complaining, man. I'm happy with, you know, the video is kind of cool, but there's no girls. Well, again, you know, that, that was, everything that went along with the big hair and the makeup and the, you know, the fancy clothes and everything from the eighties, that was now not cool. Yeah, exactly. So that, that was G he picked it. He picked all that. It was just, I think that was all in the same day when he heard poison by love cranking you know, out the executive's office. So, so the band, I know like on Spotify, so the album Prey is not out and available anywhere digitally, but your second album is. What yeah. about that? Talk about well, that a little bit. Uh, that's kind of, well, it's um, the guy from, I don't, can I say his record label name? I don't like him. Or should I not? It's up to you. We <laughs> don't, don't care. Okay, good. F&A Records, he sucks. Um, he, uh, he's putting it out and he shouldn't be. And I've already been talking to a lawyer because it's, it's, the contract was done with him five years ago. And um, it's not right. It's wrong. And I know that when he released when I did like my solo record and that he, um, uh, I got thing from two fans. They got both open CD cases, no CD in there. One had a burnt CD. Oh, I'm not kidding you, like burnt from a, so it just, it's just bad. It's not representation for me, right? And he's got it on Spotify. He's making money. You know what? That's not right. That's not right at all. You know, even if it's not making a lot of money, at least if I mean paying an insurance payment for him here or there for his car, I'm sure. But, you know, well, so. it's, it's, it's your work. You should be the one collecting yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So is but, is there is there more? And you said you guys played like three years ago. Is there more in the works for Gypsy Rose? Do you plan on doing more shows? Do you want to do more recordings or is it just kind of, hey, it was a good time, but it's behind us? Well, it, yeah, basically, which sucks. I don't want it that way. I'd love to go play again and do all that kind of stuff. I play my guitar every day and write, and I think I write better than I've ever written. And, you know, but um, 
gigs are hard, right? Especially now with COVID, right? Yep. It's just, uh, I mean, I remember making, make, even when uh, when we would come home from Gypsy Rose, playing acoustic, and I'd still make play four or five nights a week and have to turn gigs down, right? Now there's nowhere to play, even if there wasn't COVID. There's basically, you know, such a different world, right? Yep. So I would love to go uh, play, record, do something. Um, it's just, you know, it's just, it's so hard anymore, right? It's like, hard I had for everybody. I got nap. Sorry, Tom, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's tough for everybody. Mark and I was just, we we're just talking about this last week, how few clubs there are even that support local music in any given city. Yeah. Yep. There's nothing really, there's nothing, just nothing, you know? So, but, but like I said, I tell it, I tell everybody, I think this is a great analogy. I said, I was working for delivering food. I said, I'm a pizza delivery guy in North America, but over there, I'm still a rock star. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Right. I get, I get off the plane being a, but you know, somebody would have told me three or four months before that, that, Hey buddy, yeah, you're going to be going there. You have two layovers each way in Paris, France. And I would have went, yeah, right. You know, so you never know, you know, yep. it was all from a huge fan from Sweden. that got all this going for us, Michael Svensson. So it, it's all the world to him. Well, he was going. Michael, I mean, I, I can, I could talk forever because I love picking yep. brains of people who've been in bands and, and worked with members of KISS. Uh-huh. Um, but we do have to, to wrap up here. That's is okay, there, buddy. is there, is, and you know, we can always have you back. Um, Absolutely. Is there somewhere you want to send, send the people. listeners? Do they, do you yeah, have yeah, if they Facebook want to, page, a website? Do you have, you know, Instagram? Well, have, well, if they want to email me, they can, they can do that. Uh, Cause I have uh, some praise CDs and that, right? So if they'd like that, they can email me. Do you want me to give it to you? Yeah. Yeah. Out? Just, yeah. You yeah. just say it, say it slowly here for everybody. Okay. Yeah. You can get a hold of me at poisoned by love, all one word. All small letters, poisoned by love 171 at gmail.com. So awesome. Perfect. And, and, and listen, I mean, if, if you're a fan of hard rock, I mean, it's not, it's not grunge, it's not heavy metal, it's hard rock. Uh-huh. It's, check check it, out. it out, people. I mean, I, I, I've had the album, I've got the CD, I had it when it was first released. I've got the digital here because, again, you can't get it on, on Spotify or anywhere right. else digitally. Track it down, and, get it. And it's, it's, it's a, a good album. Question today. I appreciate it. Yeah, Christmas is coming up, so if you're interested, uh, just message me. I'll be happy to sign it. Do whatever you want. Sing uh, "Happy Birthday" to your husband, wife, whatever you want me to do. <laughs> Perfect. Can, 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 you, you, you really are hanging out with Gene Simmons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> sing, say, sing "Happy Birthday" to Mark, even though it's not his birthday. Happy birthday to oh, geez, you. Will you stop? Birthday. Oh, I just want to say, well, thank you guys so much from the bottom of my heart. I mean, that you guys are awesome. Michael, this, 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 this is a yeah. thrill. I mean, you know, interesting. You know, and, and just so everybody knows, it, you know, Michael just randomly emailed me through the website. His email came in. He's like, hey, you know, I've been listening to the show. I love it. Blah, blah, blah. And this, he goes, you remember this band called Gypsy Rose? I'm like, of course I remember this band, yeah. Gypsy Rose. I mean, I literally have it in my iTunes because I can't get it anywhere else, but yes. And, 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 and when he sent the email, just to help some of you guys out, he didn't start the email out with, hey, asshole. Right, he didn't call so, me an asshole. He didn't <laughs> suck. 
will you help me sell my music? No, he was, he kissed our ass. <laughs> no, my, my, Michael, this, this was an honor because, you know, I, I, again, I remember, I remember Gypsy Rose coming out. I remember buying it and, you know, and then all of a sudden going, what happened to this band? Yeah. Where did so. they go? I know, but I, I really appreciate it. You know what? There's podcasts and other shows out there, but you guys are, I'm telling you, man, I'm honest from the bottom of my heart. You guys are awesome. You're top of the heap. And you guys are genuine. Like thank I you, said. Thank you so much, Michael. And and again, yeah. to all of our listeners, go out, e- email Michael. Just say thank you or say it was a great show or, hey, buy a CD from him. Yeah, I, I guarantee you, if you're a, you're a KISS fan, You'll especially, like if you, especially if you're a KISS fan from the 80s, yeah, you, you will, will like love you will love Gypsy Rose. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I really do. Poison by Love one seven one at gmail.com. Thank you, Michael. Uh, oh, I see Mark is eating. He must have left to get a snack. Big thanks to <laughs> uh, to Paul or to John. Well, John, both of the brothers. You got got uh, you got a case of cola there. I did. They came to the Detroit show. Excellent. Excellent. So that, you know, talking to Michael reminds me of, you know, like when we had Johnny O'Neill on, it's just like, you're talking to a musician, you're getting a feeling for what it was like. I mean, Johnny was a band that didn't quite break it, but should have. Michael and Gypsy Rose was a band that did break. He got signed to a major label. Gene Simmons, the album came out and then everything fell apart. And I just love hearing the stories about how did you get signed and how was the writing process and what was it like and how did you feel? And You know, I don't know. It feels to me, it feels like it makes the business, all these bands more real. Because you realize, you know, not every one of these bands that you love, great music, but they're not all millionaires out there, people. Everybody, this week, three sides. Who's listening to me? I'm listening to you. No, I'm just trying to get the comments. Oh, 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 look at that. Tommy's getting ready to do his work. Everything froze on on me. (laughs) He's preparing to do his job at the beginning of the show, which we'll record later. This is hey. like the Matrix here, um, but I I don't know. It's it's just people need to realize just because you as a band you got signed, and I think it's more obvious these days. But just because you got signed to a major label in the eighties doesn't mean all those musicians are freaking wealthy and comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I can't tell you the stories of when I was booking the club in Northern California that you know L.A. Guns would be coming from a show in Sacramento to Santa Rosa and, and um, Tracy is driving the white panel van from Sacramento to Santa Rosa with the band members in it. And that's it. There's no tour bus. There's no crew members. They're freaking schlepping their own gear. They're renting their own equipment. They're driving themselves and station wagons and rental cars. I mean, well, well I take, there's a couple of different ways to look at that, Michael. And, and on, on a, something totally separate today, uh, some friends of our, of mine, we we're talking about the Vince Neal incident over the weekend where he fell and, uh, you know, which Broke no fault of his. Yeah, no, you know, it's funny because 
you know, through no fault of his, if you saw what happened, there was a gap. There was I mean, a there gap was a, between the stage and huge. then a little bit of area that was holding some monitors yeah. and lights. Who the fuck thought it? But anyways, scrap that part of it. But, you know, whether your uh, lips from Anvil, if you saw the, you know, the Anvil movie mm -hmm. that came out a couple of years ago, or your Vince Neil. Vince obviously does not have to do this. He loves but at the same time, But that's the whole thing. That's, that's why I get bummed when people rip on Vince Neil. I'm like, he doesn't have to do this. And if you look at a lot of the, you know, the videos, even when the ones that they make fun of him singing and stuff, I'm like, those places are packed. I don't even care if it's a small club or whatever, but he's packing. He knows his audience. If people want to hear him, you know, do his Motley Crue stuff. And I will tell you, you know, I saw him a number of years back solo. And, and I, and I, and I regressed to the, the David Lee Roth comments. I said, you know, a few times in a few earlier episodes, I never, I never thought Vince Neil was a great singer. Yeah. But, but I want to hear him fucking scream, shout at the devil. Fuck. Yeah, I do. That's awesome. Yep. yep. So, I, you know, again, you know, it's no different. If you saw the Chris uh, Holmes um, documentary that's going on right now from, you know, the ex-guitar player from Wasp. Yeah. Mean, mean somebody, man. Yeah. I mean, guys, some of these people love this. They yes, love what it, they're doing. That's why they do it. I, I will tell you, you know, even uh, even over the weekend, you know, my, uh, my my friends and I played a gig and it was a nice crowd in there and it was, it was just Unless you've ever played on stage, I don't think you really understand the kind of euphoria you get when you play, especially when, when there's a nice big crowd there. and Even you know, when you play covers? Like, <laughs> yeah. what, what, what was it like when you were drumming for Warrant, Mark? Yeah. yeah. Summer tour. But, that must have been awesome. But, it, but you know, just, just being up on stage is just fun. You know, it's, it's, it's addictive. And I could only imagine if you were lucky enough to be like Vince Neil, where you could do that the rest of your life. You know oh, I mean? God, you know, if you are fortunate enough to be a musician and you can literally make that your career and survive off of it, congratulations, you hit the jackpot. Now, whether people like you or not, that's their problem. You are living a freaking dream. And, you know, and to your point, Mark, you know, I've always said this. There's two bands that always come to mind for me. Cheap Trick. And enough's enough. There's two bands, and, and we don't need to talk about them musically, but there's two bands there that never gave up. And God knows those two bands have had more than enough reasons to throw the towel in multiple times over decades. Label drops, bombed albums, members coming and going, internal issues, whatever it might be, you know, yeah cheap trick you know here's cheap trick they go out i remember going out on tour and they were the third band opening for poison and def leppard you can't tell me you know i'm sitting there going oh this is so depressing i mean cheap trick should be headlining because these two bands were influenced by cheap trick but cheap trick is still out there kicking fucking ass why because they love making music performing live releasing albums god knows you know i'd sit here and go gene and paul could take lessons from robin and rick on how to fucking release albums i mean cheap trick 
you know, doesn't surprise me if all of a sudden we wake up tomorrow and oh, there's a new Cheap Trick album because they just keep recording music. The point is they do this because this is who they are and they freaking love it. And I'm not going to tell them to stop. Well, I, in, you know, in, I may not like it, so I won't go. But God bless them for doing it. To be fair to our costume crusaders, they're still out there, man. Oh, no, 100 percent, 100 percent. And, you know, and I and, and I've always said this, too, especially about Paul. Paul doesn't need to be freaking up on stage anymore. He's literally how many joints in his body have been replaced? How much he's the six million dollar man in real life. He's got so many mechanical still, parts. St still wearing the, the, the knee braces strategically. Hit. Still doing it. And you can't tell me that even though his his knees have been replaced, that there probably still isn't some pain and discomfort that he has every freaking night after he's done. But why? Because he fucking loves doing it and he loves making his fans happy. And you know what? God bless him for doing it. But I'm not going to get mad if he says I don't want to do it. I'm not going to tell him to stop doing it because I don't like it. Uh, you know, just like nobody should come and nobody should go to Mark and say, Mark, ah, stop working. I don't like your job. Stop. Go, go, go serve fries now. Who the fuck am I to say that? I mean, honestly. And, and yeah, when you get to somebody like Vince, it's like, Vince is in Motley Crue, people. He doesn't need to do this. He wants to do this. And he makes and a whole lot of people happy. He uh, makes again. people happy. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I, I, I just don't... I, that, that whole thing bugs me. You know, the whole taking pot shots at Vince. I, he's... Uh, every time you see the videos, for, for what it's worth, whether he's not singing bad or the thing that he, you know, he felt... But look at everybody out in the audience. They're just fucking having a ball, having a few beers with their friends. And I guarantee that's not like a Motley Crew ticket, meaning they didn't have to pay $100 for it. You know what I mean? Playing at festivals and, you know, and state Still fairs. fun. And, you know. Who the fuck cares? You who, know? Yeah, who the care, Who cares? And, and, and let's be honest. I, I don't know. I mean, as, as all of us get old, our bodies change. Not in the best ways, okay? You know, hair stops growing in certain places and starts growing other places. And, you know, bodies start bulging everywhere. And, you know, it, it, you, know you, you brush your teeth the wrong way too aggressively and you throw your shoulder out because you're too fucking old. I mean, so it's going to happen to all of us. But if he's still up there doing it, and he may not look like Vince Neil from, you know, Shout at the Devil. I don't fucking look like Michael Branville from 1982's graduation either. I mean, let's, it's going to happen to all of us. So shut up. And, and I guess all I can say is just vote with your wallet again. If you really don't like it, then just don't buy a ticket. And don't go. But going on social media and raising a freaking shit storm isn't going to change anything. It's not going to change one thing whatsoever i mean i think i've mentioned it in the past I'm not, i laugh at these people who are like i signed a started a petition over at change.org to force motley Crue to bring john karabi back in <laughs> yeah that's that's gonna fucking work you know yeah yeah nick nick nicky's gonna pay attention to a petition that's got ten thousand signatures on it 
they just got offered hundreds of millions of dollars for a tour. You don't mean squat. I mean, it, I don't just don't spend your money if you don't like it. Otherwise, go find something that makes you happy. Find the band that makes you happy and follow them. That's what we're doing here. So let's uh, let's wrap this up so we can do the beginning because the oh, puck's dropping in about the wings. Uh, it's ho- ho- homework, homework. So I guess first question is how many of you know of Gypsy Rose and have listened yeah. to the album Pray? Yeah. Do you remember these guys? What would you think of the album? If you haven't heard it before, listen to it and then tell us what you think. Yeah, go find a copy. Go go email Michael. Um, but yeah, let us know what you think. I I, I I'm gonna I would listen to it just this morning and I'll be listening to it again. Uh, I think it's a fun album. I mean, it's it's out of the eighties. No no, you know, no sugarcoating that. If you love eighties Kiss, you're gonna love Gypsy Rose. So um, you know what to do with homework. Head over to any of our social media platforms. Leave your answers. And, of course, subscribe on YouTube. Follow us on Spotify. Subscribe on iTunes. We're everywhere. You can find podcasts and videos. And uh, that's it. We'll see everybody next week. Maybe Lisa will be able to join. She does apologize. She had a very bad Internet connection where she was. She was playing Mark today. Um, Maybe she'll be here next week. That's it. We'll see everybody next week. So you love the show. Go to itunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your review and rating of Three Sides of the Coin. Thanks.